Welcome to the Hyper Voice. I am your host, Stephen Morioka, and I am joined on this episode today by Alexander Hill. Hello, Stephen. And our guest for today, Matt Swanson. What's up? And Rebecca Cartwright. Hello, everybody. And today we are doing an episode on the TO. And luckily enough, we've brought on two great ones, in our opinions at least. Uh, Matt, both Matt and Rebecca are two of our local TOs in the Chicago area. And, uh, we just wanted to do an episode kind of covering the, like the behind the scenes, um, you know, week to week, day to day of a tournament organizer, which is what the TO is short for. Um, but basically, why don't we just start off with, you know, the simplest question possible. Why and how did both of you become TOs? Uh, I'll have Rebecca start on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of stumbled into being a TO. I started out as a league owner. And then after being a league owner for a while, all of a sudden, TPCI decided that league owners should run tournaments. And so with the poof, you know, the wave of a magic wand, all of a sudden I was a tournament organizer and had to try to learn how to do that. So I started out on the card game side with that. And then once my younger son decided to play video game, well, you know, you can't play favorites. You can't have tournaments for one kid without tournaments for the other kid. So I had to learn. I had to learn um, all this video game stuff and then applied to run Premier Challenges right at the beginning of the application period for those. Yeah, that was like, what, 2014? Yes. Yep, I got a DS for Mother's Day that year. And then I spent the next couple of months obsessively learning everything I could about VGC. (laughs) That sounds about right from what I uh, remember. Yeah, I started running PCs that September. Yeah, and I believe that was also, that was the first uh, run of Premier Challenges too. I believe. It was. Uh, was I was in. Very beginning. Yeah, that's right. I I was in from the beginning. Nice. Yeah, um, my my journey into Pokemon TOing is a little bit less glamorous, I guess. Um, It's actually started out with me uh, running Smash Bros. tournaments at my college. That's where I kind of got my initial idea to become like a tournament organizer. Um, it was kind of weird because I was kind of I was kind of pushed into that without really knowing what I was getting myself into um, because I uh, I had uh, started being a TO just because I made the uh, the bracket for like this tournament I hosted in an apartment. But regardless, aside from my Smash TOing, <laughs> that's a that's like a whole different other side of me. Um, I got into Pokemon TOing through Rebecca, actually. Uh, I went to one of her early PCs and kind of asked her, hey, you know, I was interested in maybe running or like hosting one of these Pokemon tournaments. And I kind of just asked her, like, you know, how you sign up on Pokemon.com to become a TO. And I, one step led to another. And I got my uh, approval for Premier Challenges last or uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, and actually it was in December. My first PC was in January of this year and I've been running PCs for nine months. So it's been a whirlwind adventure. (laughs) 
I have to say, I'm just ridiculously impressed with Matt. I mean, I brag about him all the time. You know, I'll say, look, this is a guy who became approved to run premier challenges before his 21st birthday. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. I do brag a lot. Like, you know, That's impressive. Really, it is really impressive to me. And one of the really great things about Matt as a TO, and, you know, we hope for all of us as TOs, is that we're always trying to be better. And when things maybe don't go as well at a tournament as we hope, that we take a moment and we try to reflect and, you know, ask some people we respect what what we could have done differently. And I think that's a really great thing about Matt, that he, he embraces that part of TOing. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate all the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give it back to you here. Rebecca's been an awesome TO this entire time. She's basically, she's put the Chicago scene on her back and She's helped me a lot when I've whenever I've had TOing questions. She's been super helpful with uh, the newbie on the block with uh, whatever weird scenarios happen at my, any of my tournaments. I, I usually send her a Facebook message, say, "Hey, Rebecca, what do I do?" <laughs> I've learned to keep my phone on me at all times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been pretty crazy so far. So. <laughs> So how does one go about becoming a TO if somebody was looking to start hosting tournaments on their own? Well, it's kind of a two-step process. I find when a lot of people ask me, hey, how do I become a TO? If they're video game players, really what they mean is, how do I host Premier Challenges? Because you know I want to help out players in my scene, or it just looks really cool to host them. I don't know. Um, but to become a TO, just kind of generically, you have to apply to be part of the professor program. And you do that right on the Pokemon website. You find the information about the professor program. You click a link. Um, and then you can choose what track of the three tracks you want to pursue. I mean, obviously, you can pursue all of them if you'd like. But um, one of them is to be a TO. So you apply. You answer 10 questions, uh, mostly multiple choice, a little bit of essay. And then you submit it to Pokemon. And if you pass the test, they ask you to do a background check. So that's all done online. And if you pass the background check, then you're approved as a basic TO. And then if you want to run video game tournaments, you also need to be a video game judge. You need to have at least the basic um, certification to be a video game judge. So that's the first step. And yeah, to run PCs, you don't necessarily need to... Uh, be certified for VG judge. Um, it is super useful to have. Um, you can have, you can get uh somebody else who uh has that certification with you, uh to to judge for you. So it's not necessarily required. I didn't know that at first, so it kind of delayed my process a little bit because you can only do one certification per month. Um, so I ended up taking VG judge first when I should have been taking TO. But oh well, I. Still ended up in the right place. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting because I thought you know, and, you know, one of the challenges with um, Pokemon and working through the professor program is that TPCI does still have some bugs. They're trying to do a lot of new things all at the same time, and so there are some glitches in the professor program. And I do know of people who have been certified as a TO, but haven't been able to run. They haven't been able to sanction the kind of tournament they want if they're not also a judge for that kind of tournament. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm not sure if I'm too aware of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, and different people, you know, because, you know, 
Matt and I are part of a TO community and we share stories and try to figure out what's going on. And you'll hear different kinds of stories from people who have even the same level of certification. So I think it is TPCI is still working out some bugs in their professor system and then how that relates to sanctioning tournaments. So from what I remember, uh, Rebecca, you didn't actually go through this process to become a tournament organizer, but Matt, you did. Is that correct? Um, I, I applied for a PCTO. Um, it's, it's actually a separate process for that. Um, you go onto the professor forums and you fill out, um, like a five question, uh, uh, forum post, basically. It's just, you respond with, uh, where you're from, uh, if you have Wi-Fi or not at your, your location or, um, and then why you, basically why you want to run tournaments. Um. Those were the the basic things you needed for um, being approved for premier challenges. Um, Aside from taking the professor test, I'm not exactly sure how Rebecca started off in the forums. I'm not sure if there was like a sign up thread there or not. Uh, maybe she could fill us in on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I started out in the old system, so there was just the professor test if you wanted to be a professor, and it was completely card game and then general (laughs) card game yeah there was there was nothing so yeah i took it i took it back in the old days when it was this incredibly difficult test i mean i would study for a week to be prepared for the test every year when i went through recertification um so no i initially became a to just you know by tpci telling me i could um, but then when we transitioned to the new system where now there are those three tracks one for to one for card game judge and one for video game judge, I was grandfathered in at certain levels um, because you can be a basic stage one or stage two, which is pretty adorable for each of those three, for each of those three tracks. So those of us who'd been in for a long time, we were grandfathered in at certain levels based on what we had already done. But then within a year, those grandfathered levels expired and then you had to reapply. So I just um, this summer had to take the stage two TO test, which I had been grandfathered in as a stage two TO. So this was my first time having to actually take that test. So that was an interesting experience. It was all essay questions. Now, when you say essay questions, what kind of questions are we talking about? If you're allowed to tell us. I can, I mean, I can't give you specifics, but I can say that um, at that level, it was a lot of questions. I mean, it was things that happened at big tournaments in real life. So it was a lot of different things that could go wrong. And how would you handle them? Yeah. So a lot of different scenarios. So I wrote, I mean, I don't know how many hours I was writing in order to answer those questions. But I'm proud to say I passed with 100%. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That is really cool. Thanks. I'm up now to take the stage two video game judge test. And I'm a little bit scared to death. Yeah, the the TO questions are a mixture between like running, uh, kind of like running Tom questions. The Tom is the the program that uh, organizers use to print pairings, basically. So it's a mixture of those kind of questions talking about Tom and then TCG judge related questions or they're like they're phrased as TCG questions, which really throws me off, but they're more related to like the TOing side of things. 
So I get super intimidated whenever I see a card game question on a test. I'm like, oh, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I could imagine that. You know, that could be tough for, you know, someone, especially for both of you who, you know, who I guess I would like to say focus on the video game. Now, Rebecca, I know you I do, I know you do the card game as well. Yep, I run card game tournaments as well because, you know, you got two kids. You got you to gotta run both kinds of tournaments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, that there are different stages. uh of judging and TOing. And so what is the difference between these stages and how do you maintain the level that you're at? Um, the difference is on the TO, on the TO certification track, it affects how many tournaments you're allowed to have sanctioned at any given time. So if you're a basic TO, I think that you can only have like one or two tournaments sanctioned at any given time. I don't know the exact number. Um, whereas as a stage two TO, I've never had a single problem, even when I was running two PCs a month last year, plus my league challenge, I could run all of that. I could schedule two months out and I never had a problem. So that was really nice flexibility. Um, the way we maintain or move up in our certifications is based on how many events we run or if we're judging how many tournaments we judge right. to maintain a basic level certification you just have to you know do whatever your job is at x number of tournaments i believe it's moving six up to, is that thank you yeah <laughs> and then when you are moving up to stage one and stage two you have to have a certain number of events total but then you have to have a subset of that that are premier level events so like premier challenge and challenges and right. such as opposed to like a weekly store tournament. Yeah. That would cut it for basic, but it doesn't cut it for stage one and stage two to maintain or move up in the certification track. I see. Seems like a very grueling process. Um, maybe it's harder than I'm making it out to be. But you guys kind of mentioned, you know, the reasons why I got into TOing. Um, have you guys had any kinds of struggles about being a TO? And, you know, what's kind of the hardest thing about doing it? You know, running an event. That's a good question. Um, I have, so I mean, I I think about my struggles or challenges in a couple of different, you know, a couple of different tracks. Really, one of them is I'm a parent, so while I'm running a tournament, I'm also trying to make sure my children are staying calm. If they lose a match, that they're able to accept that and move on. Um, you know, if they need a snack, to make sure that they've gotten a snack. All while I'm trying to, you know, do a good job running my tournament. So I find sometimes that's a little challenging. Or, you know, one of my kids wants to come up to me and say, I won my match. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm the TO. I can't like, woohoo, high five them. That's not appropriate. So they've had to learn over the last couple of years to be really subtle in how they, how they share that kind of, um, that, you know, that kind of stuff with me. Yeah. I would say my, my, one of my struggles has been, uh, communicating with parents um unlike rebecca i do not have kids um that's and, a good thing at your age yeah um i haven't uh my typical tournament clientele i'm used to like like filthy mouth smash bros players that have no filter um and uh just trying to going from that to talking to like parents of uh competitors that come in is just such a such a weird thing to happen for me. 
It's just uh, I've gotten better, honestly. Yes, you have. You have. You've asked questions. You've. I've been able to use my experience because I I talk to parents a lot. I yeah. think it's really important to talk with parents and get their buy-in and understanding of what we're doing. Um, well, and you know the people who come to Pokemon tournaments are kind of quirky people. So you know talking to quirky people is sometimes a little more challenging, even though we're all fairly quirky ourselves. Yeah, that is definitely one trait that's uh, shared by a lot of Pokemon community members, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, we can all attest to that at some degree. Yeah. (laughs) I did want to add in something else about struggles. Um, One of the things that I really grapple with is doing a good job for my players, given the limited resources that I have, and the fact that we don't always get timely information from TPCI. Um, like, you know, on, in terms of resources, you know, players would love streaming. You know, streaming's great, but who do I get to stream? And I can't afford to pay them. I mean, I struggle to make sure I can pay for my printer ink and my paper and my judge and, um, you know, all of those sorts of things and prizes and, and, and that. So we don't have a lot of support from TPCI. So I want to do all these great things for the players, but I don't have anyone volunteering other than Matt sometimes bless his yeah. heart um to you know to, to step up and do that so that's that's a real challenge yeah uh, going specifically looking at streaming um I actually stri- uh streamed my last premiere challenge which was uh last week um and I had no one to help me um because everybody was playing in the tournament um my one of my friends helped when he was done with his matches, but I was kind of torn between uh should I be in the main player area where all of my players are judging, or should I be in the TO or the stream station area where I'm supposed to be like running the stream. So it's it's really hard sometimes for TOs to to provide streaming for um like Pokemon players, just because the you need the staffing f- to make it work, um, and you basically need somebody to not compete. Um, that's that's one of the biggest drawbacks, I would say, is it's just hard to find people who can commentate because they're they w- the way Swiss works. You can't base you can't like run the stream and be in the tournament at the same time. It's not really um, feasible, I guess. So yeah, uh, that's definitely one of the the harder challenges of trying to be a TO and trying to broadcast uh, your tournament to to the world. I do have to give credit to our VGC players, though, with how much they will tell us about what they're passionate about, and you know, I'd like different prizes, and we'd like it if you guys would stream. And you know, there's so many ideas, which is great. I can talk to players at any of my tournaments or you know any larger event and get so many good ideas. Some of them we can't really execute, at least at this point, we can't. But it really helps to keep that information flowing and those ideas flowing, so that when there are things we can do, we have, you know, we have a, a body of ideas to to pull from. Right. And if anybody has any specific ideas on prizing, let me know, because I'm always looking for prizing ideas. Prizing, yes. Pretty much the answer is not packs. I was just going to say. <laughs> but then we ask you guys what you want, and it, it's we don't have any clear answers. Yeah. So that that's tough, because we want to we, we have valuable prizes for you. But 
it, it's hard to know what that is. I don't know. What What do you guys like for prizes, Stephen and Alex? Yes, good question. Uh, yeah, that is a good, good question. Uh, honestly, um, some of the simpler things, uh, like I know at Rebecca's tournaments that I've been to, uh, just, you know, getting a like card that will pay for your entry fee at the next tournament that has an entry fee is always something nice because you know you kind of like you if you paid for that tournament and you earned that you know you kind of earned back what you paid to get into it which is kind of nice uh and then you it also allows you to go to another tournament uh and just get in for free which is really nice um honestly i i agree that uh figuring out what to give um what, as prizes is really difficult just because uh, Pokemon, the Pokemon community has such a wide ver- variety of uh, different age groups. And so uh, you don't know exactly what's going to satisfy everyone because you need prizes for the little kids uh, that are going to want like more toys and stuff like that. But like for certain adults, those toys aren't going to mean anything or um, and you want to like make sure that it's balanced between different age divisions, whereas like um the maybe the juniors and seniors get certain things and you want to make sure that like the masters aren't missing out if uh or vice versa if uh the prizes are just not equal um just because different people are different into different things it's kind of difficult to find exactly what you want for all these different people yep i'm always trying to be very mindful that i'm not asking the masters at my tournaments to pay for callum to get prizes (laughs) so he usually you know i'm like you're nine and you know you just have to come to these tournaments and no you don't get a prize this time because you're the only junior so my kids have my kids are learning that that actually happens a lot uh just having having to have prizes for like junior senior division uh it's it's kind of like is it really worth it you know because a lot of the times it's only one or two entrants uh, for those divisions, so it's just like, do I spend extra money on getting making sure that every single division has it? I mean, most of the time the answer is yes because you have to basically. Um, wow, I was gonna say the answer is no, but sometimes I mean, <laughs> I'm I, the mean mom. <laughs> it depends. Like, if you think you're gonna get more than like two per division, then I would say yes. But I don't know. I mean, I I would say a lot of masters get really excited about the plushies, though. That's true. I'm, I'm always astonished. Like some of the masters players just about squeal with the plushies, and then others are like, "Ugh, I wouldn't want a stuffed animal." Yeah. Oh well, yeah. About that, you guys asked earlier about the what kind of prizes we'd like, and I was about to say, you know, the plushes. You know, I always think those are cool. You know, I'm starting a nice collection in uh, my room now, so that's always nice. I always love adding to it. Um. Yeah, and I actually kind of forgot about when Alex mentioned those uh, vouchers for, you know, a next tournament to enter. I always thought those were really cool, and um, uh, about that is that when you get a brand new player coming into um, a VGC tournament like that, and, you know, they do well enough to earn a voucher or something, um, and they see, oh, hey, I can use this at the next one, it's kind of a nice enticing advertisement and uh you know a nice prize to get them to come to more tournaments in the future. And lastly, does anyone else have anything to add on those struggles or prizes before I move on? Nope, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Okay, but where I was going with that was um 
you know, you say say you get a brand new player in uh, one of your tournaments. You know, you've never seen this person before, and you know, especially in the coming months when we start VGC 2017, we get a brand new generation of games and Pokemon, and I imagine we'll see a, another wave of new players entering the competitive scene. So I feel like that would be a good thing for them, but I kind of just wanted to ask a general question. You know, when you see a brand new player at a tournament, you know, they haven't done any of these things in person before. They don't even have a pop ID. You know, kind of what's your reaction to seeing a new player and, you know, kind of whether they continue to show up or not, you know, in a future tournament or not, like, or what do you feel like is your job to, um, you know, give them the best experience to, you know, keep them engaged and keep um, coming to these tournaments? I would say that uh, just welcoming welcoming them to the tournament uh, is a good start. Uh, greeting them, making sure they know what the expectations are uh, at any one of the tournaments, handing them a team sheet, um, letting them know how, how to fill it out. Um, and just being positive and providing a great tournament environment for them. Just being super excited. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> I do a lot of the super excited too. Like I'm almost, I almost overdo it when I see a new player, not the masters, you know, masters players. I'm like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you know me, I'm so Sounds cool. Like <laughs> um, but particularly when it's a junior or senior, who's a new player, I, I really overdo the, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that you've come to this tournament. This is a fantastic thing for you to do. I'm impressed that you've come to your first you know, in-person tournament. And, um, and like Matt said, you know, you hand them the team sheet and you explain how to fill it out. You don't just hand it to them or point at the team sheets. You try to make sure that they don't have to say, but wait, I don't know how to fill this out. Because if you're new at a place, you don't, you already know that you don't know a lot of things. You don't want to have to say that out loud. So I think a lot about the comfort level of the players. And I know I get nervous in new situations. So I always try to remember what, what that's like for them. Yeah. And you know, when they have, you know, when it's a kid with the shiny grout on and you have oh. to tell them that's not okay, oh. it, you know, it, it's hard. Um, and so, you know, I try really hard to be um, really positive in the way I talk about things and make sure that it doesn't in any way sound like I'm judging them or, Oh my gosh, you screwed up. You, you know, you, bad hacking person because you know kids are using <laughs> trades they don't know what's going on and so i think it's really important to to come from that place of understanding and to help welcome that into welcome them into that yeah it's it's especially a situation like that it's about maintaining a calm tone not being um accusatory at all um and yeah, just going back to uh, how I help new players, it's one of the main things I do is just kind of stay with them for at least the first couple of rounds. If they have any like questions or don't know how to set up the rules um, and have any specific questions about uh, like what the regulations are, like that's, that's one of the hugest things, I think. Um, if you're new to a tournament structure, you not going to know exactly, you know, how everything's formatted, what the rules are. So just being there, just having a physical presence in the room, uh, kind of nearby newer players is really helpful. Um, and just being uh, kind and courteous, uh, just 
It's being a good person. That's that's what being a TO is all about. Making sure people have a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I like you know Matt's point about you know kind of staying with them, not in a freaky stalker kind of way for yeah. a couple rounds, but you know checking in with them. So if they finish you know, a match early because, you know, when it's their first tournament, they're probably going to, you know, get beaten pretty quickly. So, you know, I will walk over and say, so, you know, how's it going so far? Um, or, you know, have you, with a kid particularly, I'll say, have you learned anything from, you know, your match, you know, or what was your best Pokemon in that match so that they don't feel adrift? Because everyone, you know, all the players who know each other in between rounds, they chit chat in groups. And when you're conspicuously the one who isn't in a group, it feels weird. Or sometimes I will, you know, if I have one of, you know, you guys that I know well at a tournament, I'll say, hey, Steven, so-and-so is at his first tournament today. As sort of a, like, hint, talk to this person, right, right. you know, because otherwise <laughs> you guys don't, you know, you don't know necessarily. Um, but I found that our community, I mean, especially in Chicagoland, is so welcoming of new players that I don't usually even have to do that. You guys keep a pretty good a pretty good sense, and you're very welcoming. Yeah. I guess it's a little bit weirder for me down south, because most of my new players I just take from my Smash Club. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So it, they're, like, already my friends, like, my personal friends, so... I'm just trying to get, I'm trying, this is a basically a conspiracy for me to get all of my Smash friends in the door and play Pokemon. Bringing them to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got a nice pool of people to just pull from, you know, just keep pulling those Smash players and converting them and converting them, and then eventually you'll have a very healthy scene down there. Yeah, um, they've been, there's been uh, quite a few Smash players that have gotten better, um, they they're still bringing some weird teams, but, you know, I, I help them out as much as I can. <laughs> well, and, and you weird teams are fine. I mean, and some of it, one of the things I also talk with as players, especially the, the kids, as they come to more tournaments, um, if they're not doing as well as they might think, we talk about their goals. You know, is your goal to get to Worlds or is your goal to have fun just at this tournament? Is your goal to do well locally? Because depending on what your goal is, you're going to have different things you do to prepare and different expectations when you go into a tournament. Yeah, I also feel like maybe they're there out to meet people. And, you know, I guess speaking from more of a player's perspective, you know, Alex and I aren't, you know, in any organizational um, form for Pokemon at all. And, you know, I've, from what I've seen, Alex has been pretty helpful when we get newer players to the scene. Um Alex, what have what are your your experiences been so far with that? Well, uh, I always enjoy just seeing the local scene grow because it means a lot to me. Uh, just to see like more and more people uh, come to our local events, just uh, RPCs in general, because uh, the bigger the tournaments, the more fun they tend to be. And uh, friendship is a big part of why I play uh, the video game championships uh, and go to these events is because you get to meet these people in real life, and so that's what's really fun about it. And just a little fun personal story, when I was uh, one of those new players, it took me a couple of events to start making, like, some of the friends there, because, uh, like Rebecca said, the players who have been around, who are experienced, will chat in circles and uh, kind of talk to each other. And so, uh, one of the, uh, I would say, the probably the first friend that I made at one of these uh, premiere challenges was Steven's mom. Uh, who sometimes <laughs> comes to the events? Um, me and huh. <laughs> <laughs> me and my uh, 
girlfriend were just sitting across from her between rounds and we just like started talking and uh she was very welcoming and she's just been uh super nice to us ever since we've like started talking back in like 2014 and so it's been very fun i've made so many friends uh and it's just because of the friendly environment that the uh, these tournaments create and that's what i really appreciate about tournament organizers and premier challenges is that uh it's a great place to make friends and that's um, a really fun aspect of it. See, this is why I don't know this story. Just because I was out of state um, for school at this time, so that's yeah. kinda, that's cool to know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true, Stephen. You weren't around at the time, and that's I was trying to remember why you weren't there exactly. Because sometimes in the fall, that was in the fall, you don't like to go to those fall events. So uh, <laughs> I figured maybe you were just taking time off, but I forgot. Yeah, you were at school, and so. That's why you weren't at the events. And then you started showing up and I was just like, oh man, like this experienced guy is back and he's going to like dominate our premier challenges now. Not that I was doing well anyway, <laughs> but. <laughs> it's, it's a toss up between Steven and Kamal. They, they went back and forth, I remember. Well, we also had Colin with, like, at the time. Being, with being in and oh, out? Yeah, yeah, Colin. Being in and out yeah. of tournaments? Uh, like with like premier challenge wins. I remember, uh. It was weird. You, there was there was a time where uh, Kamal would win a lot of Rebecca's PCs, but then Steven would win all of uh, Suzanne's PCs, <laughs> which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, maybe different rooms have different vibes or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, um, going back to Alex's point about building friendships, that's what I'm truly passionate about uh, TOing. That's why some days, like, when I'm, if I'm super stressed about something related to TOing or there's just a huge event coming up that I don't feel prepared enough for, I just go back and remember, oh, this is why I'm doing it, to build these friendships. I'm bringing people together that normally or might maybe possibly would have never met each other, you know? So it's 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 comforting to know that I'm I'm building relationships um outside of the game itself which is really neat. Yeah, when I talk to um you know like when I talk to my mom or talk to you know people I know who aren't in Pokemon and I try to explain these connections. I I describe it as my tournament family. And I've heard Aww. I've heard some other players, you know some of the kids that I I know talk in that same way about you know the connections and the support. I mean, at a you know premier challenge, it's not massively high stakes, but then you know you build those relationships, and then when you're all at regionals and the stakes are much higher, you have you know, this built-in network. I mean, yeah, I know team. I can walk. Yes, I mean I can walk around and talk to any one of you guys and say how you know how are our people doing, and someone will rattle off the record of you know like seven different players because everyone is you know checking up on everyone else and making making sure we're we're doing okay yeah that was definitely me at nationals i went oh three and just kind of hung out the rest of the day <laughs> well you're putting your powers job. into toing you know that's a good thing yeah i mean the community needs more competitive players to you know take a little time out and become a to i think that's really important i i feel like coming from just being a player, it's really rewarding to build your own scene and watch it grow and watch your players uh, have success at larger tournaments. It's really cool to see happen. Jeez, um, I never thought, you know, going into playing VGC or 
God, even playing Pokemon back when I was at Journey Across America. Um, I never expected to, you know, be at this point in my life where, like, I'm actually running these cool tournaments. Like, so crazy to me. <laughs> You're the grown-up in charge. I know. <laughs> uh, and like you guys mentioned, uh, having, like, these communities at the major Pokemon events, uh, having them support you, uh, that was, like, a really big deal for me at 2015 U.S. Nationals when that was my first, like, breakout tournament. And I, like, nobody knew who I was, and I was just kind of, like, going alone uh, all the way up to the top eight. And, like, peop uh, the like the people that were cheering for me were all the people at these Illinois PCs that I had, like, talked to. They were all like, wow, look at Alex go. And, like, I like remember when I was playing on one of the TVs, like, all of them were over there watching, and they were all cheering for every move that, like, I made correctly and then just really rooting for me. And it was really cool to have that sense of, like, community backing me up that because we were all just uh really close friends from going to these events and i remember once i made it to like the top eight one of the first people i wanted to tell was rebecca because it had meant so much that uh i had all these premiere challenges to go and practice at and i had never cut one before and i had finally cut an event and i felt like a large part of it was due to just being able to go to so many tournaments that rebecca had hosted for us oh and you gave me a shout out in your nugget bridge um, report, which was my very first and I think only shout out ever. So, <laughs> so let that be, you know, less to all the rest of you. Like, give me some more shout outs and I'll keep running your tournaments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to give credit. Nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember reading that and kind of just, you know, speaking of a brand new players, you know, kind of uh, entering the scene, you know, sometimes it can be hard to break into some of the, you know, closer longer social circles social circles that have been lasting around and you know just you know come and say hi most we're, we're pretty nice people and we'd like to always include others you know especially if you're interested in continuing to play the game um you know we tend to be very welcoming we want to we want you to keep coming because attendance you know especially this year we always want to keep increasing attendance because it helps everyone you know just in terms of a, you know, conversational perspective in talking about different Pokemon strategies. And then when you just look at the raw data and numbers, you know, it gives people more prizes and points, etc. Um, heading into the new season. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there is a somewhat touchy subject that, Rebecca, you brought up while we were prepping before the show. And this was about player transparency from the TO's perspective. So I kind of wanted you to talk a little bit about that. And uh, I kind of want to get more of an idea of what you meant by that. Oh, um, I don't know if it's really a touchy subject. Um, what I what I meant was that I think it's really important for TO's to be as transparent, you know, as open as we can be with the players about the kinds of things we can do, the things we can't do. Um, like, you know, if you're not studying up on every last thing or you don't have, you know, friends who are on the TO or judging side, you might not know some things. Like I've had some players say, well, why don't you lock the battle boxes? That would be so much easier than the way you do these PCs. You know, yeah. so that's an opportunity. So, you know, I could just say, no, I can't do that. Or I could explain the situation. And I think it's you know, the teacher in me or the mom in me or something. Um, I like to explain those kinds of things. Actually, I think it's the teacher because when I was teaching community college, I always liked to explain to my students like what I could do and what I couldn't do or what it means to teach or you know how I prepare for a lesson. Because I think every time you pull the curtain back, 
and you explain what's going on behind the scenes, it helps. Because you guys become more educated consumers of the tournament circuit if you know what we're doing. Or if you're frustrated with us, like I remember back when we could only do best of one for PCs, I would have players complain to me about that and then ask, well, why can't we do, you know, why can't we do more? Why can't we do best of three? And I'd have to explain, well, you know, that's not my choice as a TO. That's a decision that's made at a higher level. Well, thankfully, we can now we can now actually choose that, thankfully. I know, yeah. it's amazing. Yay. But I think one of the things that's, you know, a, kind of a fine line, and I don't know if it's easier as you get older or um, what, but I think if you're going to be transparent, you need to do it in a professional way. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about something from TPCI. I understand you know, they're short-staffed, they're trying to do a lot of things, and so I do my very best to not grumble about things, but I will listen to what players say, and then I will respond in a professional way um, with the information that I that I can share. Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that. Uh, I think Rebecca covered most of the bases there. So. <laughs> See, you can tell I used to be a professor of a whole different sort. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure it's come uh, very useful in the, the Pokemon side of things. I mean, really, I just like to hear myself talk. So I've just tried to move to you know, whichever <laughs> careers will let me talk and make as many people as possible listen to me. Yeah, and I I appreciate uh, like the per- amount of professionalism you you give to your Pokemon TOing. Uh, just whenever I see you at a tournament, it's like you're just ex- either explaining something to somebody in a very detailed, specific way or just making sure people are having a good time so appreciate that (laughs) okay this is great for my ego can matt and i be guests all the time and you can say nice (laughs) things about me because because i like that but you know i do think the explaining (laughs) i think the explaining side is important and i do spend a ton of time also explaining things to parents because when your new player is a kid and you know the parent doesn't understand what's going on and they think they're gonna have to leave after you know, the kid loses one round and then you have to explain what Swiss means and, you know, all kinds of things. The more people understand, the better decisions they can make. And if you can put a good interpretation on what you've got going on, then they're probably going to come back to your events. And that's good for everybody. Yeah, that's a that's a huge factor, I think, when talking with parents is just making sure that they, you know, have a kind of a layman's understanding of, you know, how tournaments are run and what the the expectations are so yeah because they're the ones who are going to have to support their kid on the drive home if the kids oh, yeah you know crying or confused or upset and i try to get because you know we've had those days in my car so I, yeah i try to think <laughs> of ways that i can give parents you know tools or you know some some framework to put this weird pokemon experience in that they can use for their kids yeah i can certainly understand that perspective and um, I guess, yeah, that, that pretty much covers that topic. You know, that's kind of just really what I wanted to hear. Um, and I just like what, what I wanted to hear from TOs, you know, talking about to, to the player side. Um, uh, but you're just talking about some situations that might have people upset or someone might be upset. Um, I was wondering, and I'm sure other players would want to ask their TOs as well. What kind of horror stories do you guys have as, uh, TOs? Oh, my goodness. So back to that professionalism thing. You know, there are certain things that, you know, we obviously can't share. Um, But I do have a rather spectacular experience from my last um, 
my last PC, which, so, you know, I have two kids. One is in juniors, one is in seniors. They each play different games. My, my junior is in video game. My senior is in card game. But once in a while, he thinks it's fun to cook up some, you know, crazy team and then play it in a PC. So attendance tends to, you know, yay. Um, so, and attendance tends to be a little low in the junior senior department. So, um, round one, who's paired against each other at my last PC? My two kids. Oh, and no. my younger one. Yes. And so my older one made a really good read. Um, on my younger one. And then he fumbled with a card because he only had my card game kid only has a 2ds because i'm not spending the money on a 3ds for him <laughs> um and so then he dropped a card and made the games freeze because he broke the ir connection and then my younger one assumed he did it on purpose to like psych him out and my younger one started saying some pretty awful things to my older one so oh, no. my my judge oh. turns around to get me and the two of them have exploded at each other. My younger one is shoving his DS at his brother and saying, you're cheating. Nice and loud when we had a lot of new players, which was oh, awesome. No. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, like, and so my judge uh, just looks at me. She's like, I think this is for you. So I spent most of round one and part of round two trying to defuse that situation. Now, normally I don't get that derailed as a parent TO, but this was a really extraordinary situation. Um, and I really hope it never, ever happens again. <sighs> I, I so don't bad. think I have anything that matches that. <laughs> so far <laughs> brothers swinging at each other in a tournament yeah, yeah. no uh definitely <laughs> be, not. be thankful most of most of my pcs i run down in uh central illinois are pretty tame uh in comparison you'd think a bunch of college students they might get a little crazy but no, but no? <laughs> not really honestly they're they're pretty chill people um because most well most of them are friends so it's it kind of helps a little bit <laughs> right um I wouldn't necessarily call this like a horror story, but it was definitely a very, very interesting day. <laughs> um, so if uh, some of you might know this already, I hosted a outdoor premiere challenge on, uh, was it Labor Memorial Day weekend? I think, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Yes, on yeah your, it was in May sometime. On your T.O. bucket list. Yeah, this was this on was. my T.O. bucket list. I've, I've always wanted to host a PC outside um, in the nice spring weather. And I found a perfect day. Not necessarily a perfect venue because there were a lot of bugs. There were a lot of bugs and it was hot outside. And um, some of our players were definitely uh, bothered by both of those factors. So... Um, <laughs> the glare on the DSs was pretty bad. Um, I actually took, I actually gave people our our uh, uh, laminated table numbers to use as like sun visors for the DS screens, which worked pretty well, honestly. Um, yeah, that was a really good improvised solution, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fascinating to see how people handled the bugs. Like there was one person I noticed, like in between picking moves took one of those table numbers and was meticulously squishing bugs with the edge of the table number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very interesting day. Um <laughs> I uh 
I have to give a lot of props to Rebecca for helping me out because I I don't think that was one of the PCs I could have run by myself. <laughs> Just a lot of a lot of different a lot of uh, different factors. People not being used to the outdoors uh, kind of played into it. Yeah, I guess you take a bunch of gamers and say, "Guys, we have a great idea. Let's go outside for a tournament." <laughs> yeah, this was yeah before the Pokemon Go days. Right, exactly. Right. Alex, were you at that tournament? What's yeah, Alex was there. Yep. Oh yes, I was there, and uh, it was actually it went pretty well. We even though we did find a very shady spot, the sun glare was still very bad, so the visors were definitely necessary. The vi- the t- yeah the table number visors, uh, and also another issue was the uh the bathroom the bathroom was oh yeah in this it was in this like school building nearby but only yeah. like one of the entrances were as enterable because there was some kind of function going on there at the same time and so uh if you like finished your game uh early enough you had to like make sure that you had like 15 minutes to run to the bathroom and then get back and it was all I kinds of people crazy, time it was a very fun yeah it was yeah. a very fun event though <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I'm glad Matt did it. Matt had been trying to convince me to run an outdoor PC for like <laughs> a year, and I kept saying, "Well, I'm just not quite sure." So I'm really glad he did it. I was happy to judge for him, so right. that I got to experience it, but not have it under my name. Yeah, and originally I actually wanted to stream it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, I think Rebecca brought her DS, I think, and we just didn't have the correct table. So I I would have been I probably would have been one of the first outdoor premiere challenges with a stream that would have been amazing but um, the logistics it would have for totally that, made up for the bugs right yeah yeah it totally would have made up for the bugs um, no the the logistics for that unfortunately didn't work out but I did invite everybody over for barbecue afterwards which was awesome that was really neat that was that was super cool yeah that was a very um, fun time yeah. <laughs> And I think uh, we had we just like hot dogs and burgers and stuff, so chips and dip. It was great. <laughs> yep, nice cookout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds really cool. I can't remember why I missed it, but for the new new listeners, new players out there, see, this is what the VGC community is all about. It's going outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that after we were all tortured by bugs and sun and, you know, the outdoors, we were still willing to go over to Matt's house and hang out and share some burgers. That was great. It was a lot of fun. And I was also at Rebecca's uh, tournament with her two sons arguing. And I think she handled it pretty well because uh, I didn't notice any disruption in the tournament flow. Uh, the rounds kept coming. We kept playing. And it wasn't very much of a distraction. I just know that there was probably a lot of stress for her. But for the players, she still kept it very professional and uh, very much a good time. Oh, thank you. I think a lot of the crash, I know a lot of the credit for that goes to my amazing judge, Gina, who was able to you know, judge and an- enter things in Tom, collect the match slips. She was, it, she was um, wonderful at keeping everything going so that I could divert and try to keep my kids from blowing up the room. It really is such a bummer that uh, we can only have one premiere challenge per month now. What do you guys think of that uh, aspect of it? Because uh, I loved going to so many premiere challenges, not just for, you know, the chances at championship points, but just to hang out with all my friends and uh, everybody in the Pokemon community. And it's really a bummer that uh, people can't run more tournaments than one per month now. What do you guys think of it? Uh, I would say that it's it's helpful for us around the Chicago area because it makes it a lot easier for us to schedule our PCs around each other. 
I, I remember last year, especially trying to make a schedule between uh, all three of the, the Chicago TOs was kind of difficult because without like trying to step on each other's weekends, you know, like we all have our, our specific dates uh, laid out in mind and that might, it might conflict with another TO. So like by having only one PC per month, it reduces the, the chances that we'll end up scheduling on the same date. Um, although I do understand, um, it's kind of a bummer for areas that only have like one TO representing them or representing a large region, um, especially in like, I don't know, the middle of the Midwest, like out in Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska. I'm sure they only have one or two TOs um, across probably like over 500 miles. Of all each those other. states. Yeah, all those states. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. thinking there's some listeners who are probably not really impressed with our answer about, oh, we have so many PCTOs right. in the area. Yeah. It was so hard to schedule all our tournaments. I'm sure some people are grumbling. <laughs> grumbling, yeah. Shake their fist at the podcast over, no, I, I over do, that. I do understand that, yeah, some areas are not getting as re well represented. Um, and that's just, I think that's an unfortunate um, consequence of the... Uh, the decision that TPCI made with uh, this season. I mean, I do have to say, as someone who does both card game and video game tournaments, it's it's certainly easier for me this year because last year I was running three tournaments a month, so two PCs and one league challenge, plus I run a very large league every weekend for three hours. And I couldn't bring myself to cut back on the PCs because I feel such a commitment to my players that I want to make sure you guys have all the opportunities that you can to um, to earn those points. But I was burning myself out completely running all of those events. Yeah. I think I ran out of the 18 I could have run. I think I ran 16 PCs in addition to all my other stuff. And it was, it was a lot, especially, you know, as someone you know, who has an autoimmune disease, I get tired pretty easily. And so I was pushing myself way too hard. Yeah, I I definitely I feel the TO burnout sometimes too. And it's pretty rough. <laughs> more on the, more on the Smash Bros side of of my uh, TOing stuff. But um, yeah, I remember specifically the the mid season showdown we we both or Rebecca hosted and I, I kind of helped out with was Oh, you helped out a lot. Yeah. That was a that was a big that was a huge time commitment uh, as far as planning and organizing went. Yeah, but it was yeah. fun. It was yeah. It was a very fun event. Uh, as players, Steve and I, I think, can both attest to how well the event was run and how uh, very fun it was to just be there and uh, participate in these new kind of tournaments that uh, we hadn't got to try before. Yeah. Also, shout outs to my boy Sam VGC. Uh, you're the best co-commentator <laughs> anybody could ask for. Um, uh, we we definitely need to go back to come on in at some point, though. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Joke. I do want to. <laughs> I'm sure that's an awesome diversion. I do want to go back just once more to because um, I had a thought um, to TPCI cutting it down to one um, one. PC per TO per month. We did notice, and this was talked about quite a lot among 
PCTOs that last year we noticed our attendance at events. Like once we got through the first month or two where everyone's really excited, um, we all, almost all of us noticed a drop off in our attendance. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people speculated that it's because there were so many PCs that nobody really felt this overwhelming pressure to make it to this Saturday is because there's going to be another one in a week or two. Yeah, I could definitely feel some of that um, in certain uh, players, I guess. I don't know. My first year, I averaged in the mid-30s for almost all of my PCs. Last year, I averaged in the mid-20s in attendance. Yeah. Huh. That That's a good point about uh, attendance for Premier Challenges. Makes sense. It, I don't know. It, it could be also related to the format. Uh, I know 2016 wasn't as popular as some other formats as far as uh, the players' opinions go. Um but yeah. That's a good point. Uh, I I think I think as far as attendance goes, 2017 will turn the corner, and uh, because the the new game always brings in a lot of new players, so I would expect attendance to to go back up after uh, December. Yeah, I was going to mention that uh, that I'm thinking that Sun and Moon is going to really grow things, and that's exciting. I'm also wondering if we're going to see any new players because of Pokemon Go. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't think Rebecca's entirely wrong. I don't think she's entirely wrong about that because, uh, so you see the, these players that are getting into Pokemon again through Pokemon Go, maybe they haven't committed to getting a new game and system yet. Maybe because they're like, oh, well, I'm into Pokemon Go now and I noticed that Sun and Moon is coming out because they've been looking into other Pokemon related things. And so they're waiting for these new games to come out. And then once they get into uh, these new games, once they're come out, coming out in November, there's a chance that they might get into the competitive side of things and they want to come out to these events. So... Uh, yeah, I think Pokemon Go, although I don't see it being huge, it could grow the scene a little bit too, just because it's revitalizing uh, people's interest in Pokemon in general. Yeah, I guess that that remains to be seen until Sun and Moon actually come out. Um, and who knows? We'll see. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see a bunch of new players coming to my PCs. That'd be awesome. Yeah, but then you need more staff because the new players who don't know what's legal and... You know, and then you run into that, you know, it's kind of like you're hosting a party and so you buy tons and tons of chips and dip and then not many people come and then you're stuck with all this chips and dip. Yeah. So you kind of have to like, well, you know, how many people do you want to have on hand so that you have enough staff? But, you know, you don't want to have this glut of staff like fighting each other to help the one new player. So that's another part of the challenge of the, the TO side of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's where all the older players come in. That's where we got to help you guys out. Yes. Yeah, I do remember at the last PC yelling to one clump of you, I've got a new player who needs help with a sheet. Like, stat, somebody come help me. (laughs) Yeah, I have been thinking in terms of Pokemon Go. um, I know on Facebook, there are all of these Pokemon Go communities. And I've been thinking about, you know, floating a couple of ideas in the Chicagoland one saying, hey, guys, would you be interested in like a session on, you know, intro to competitive VGC or, you know, an intro to breeding and IVs and you know, those kinds of things to see if, I mean, to see if there really is the interest, because I wonder about it, but I haven't done anything about it yet, to, to see if that interest really is there. Right. I think the time will come. Um, we'll definitely tell them to listen to the Hyper Voice, of course, <laughs> and, you know, we'll do our best to include them. Um, but, you know, we always thank both, uh, well, really any TO who runs an event for the players. You know, we understand it's a it's a time commitment and 
you know, just as players, remember to always appreciate what your TOs are doing for you. So just say thank you before you leave. Pick up trash. Pick up trash, please. Pick yes. up trash. Push in the chairs. Pushing in the chairs helps. Oh All those little things help us. Yeah. Yesterday, oh my gosh. I, I ran a Smash tournament yesterday and there's so much trash left behind. I was like, oh, come on, guys. Now, Pokemon players are pretty good. Yeah. And the number of players who come up and say thank you or ask, can I carry something out to the car? It's just, it warms my heart every, every darn time. Yeah. Because it's just, yeah. you know, it's just so, so nice. Yeah. The, the biggest compliment I can get um, as a TO is just say thank you to me. That, that honestly makes my day so much better. Um, I know some people like, a lot of days, like, TOing can feel like a thankless job, and just going out of your way to say thank you is the most that you can do as a player. It's really meaningful. <laughs> Very well said. Now, I suppose we still have time for this. We could do a quick lightning round of the... Oh no, I'm not prepared! The best news and worst news from the uh, 2017 season announcement. So... Why don't we all go around on what we liked the most and, you know, didn't like so much about uh, all the announcements from a few weeks ago about the 2017 season. Um, I'll start with my best news. I liked the format changing earlier in December rather than January. Well, of course you would steal that one. <laughs> of course Steven steals that one because he knows that that's my favorite. <laughs> I know. Steal it? What are you talking about? You say, Darn, we talked about my this answer. In- Steven and I have talked about this in previous episodes, so he should know very well that I am very excited for it as well, that I just can't wait for the format to flip on December, and it's nice that it's flipping so much earlier. Yeah. Uh, And then I guess I can start off since, uh, well, does anybody else have any other best news that they want to mention? Um, I do like that the Junior's video game bar is higher. And uh, why is that? Um, Because, so... in, in our area, particularly at my league, um, we had two juniors qualify for Worlds. One was my child, who's, I think he ended, yeah, he ended um, 11th in the country after Nats. So, you know, a pretty good player. Um, the other kid was one who pretty much just came in second to Callum, just over and over mm, again. Yeah. And just by showing up and being okay losing to Callum, she got an invite. And it you know, it can give some of those juniors players an um, an incorrect understanding of their skill level. And then I know, you know, like this sweet girl was utterly bewildered then when she went to a regionals and didn't do very well. And she said, you know, but I'm, but I'm world's qualified. So I think, okay. especially for juniors, I mean, card game two, juniors was, you know, the bar was really, really pretty low. Um, so I think for juniors, I like that the bar was up a bit. Um, the other age divisions is a whole nother story, but I think that was an improvement in um, in juniors. You know, I think that's a really interesting perspective that uh, Steven and I couldn't have really realized ourselves being master players, masters players, master players. We're really, really big girls. Players. <laughs> would not know. You're like super no, master players. No, master division players. Uh, and so that's really, uh, it's cool to hear that because it's not something Steven and I could have really realized on our own uh, without, you know, having uh, someone who's got experience working with juniors and has a child in the junior division herself so it's uh very interesting to hear that yeah and i try to talk to you guys about you know having juniors and seniors because you know they're the future of vgc so the more you guys you know interact with the younger ones and think about you know what their issues are i think it, it strengthens the community and the future 
of VGC overall. And so, uh, I guess moving forward, um, for the worst news, uh, we, we are, I'm already, like I mentioned, I'm a bit dissatisfied with the number of premier challenges, but there are pros to that. Uh, I really dislike the, uh, best finish limit for internationals, uh, the tournaments that they'll be hosting in each, um, region, uh, just because the best finish limit is four. And so you can participate at all of them and get championship points in them, which means, uh, the person who travels the most is likely to, uh, earn stipends or get the most championship points. And I just don't think that's the best way to go about things. Well, Alex, you took mine. That was <laughs> that was going to be mine. I have I, you know, I have grave um, reservations about that. Um, I belong to a group on Facebook that is for parents of competitive Pokemon kids. So you know, it, you know, it's a nice community. We support each other, and there's been a ton of discussion on exactly this subject because you know, like a best finish limit for regionals of four is pretty crazy on the card game side the regional's best finish limit is eight. Yes, I saw that. That is crazy. It's it's absolutely crazy. And I don't mind making the bar higher for Worlds. It's completely up to TPCI where they want to set that level. That's completely fine. Um, But when you have these high best finish limits, it's like if you have good players and then you have good players with money, money becomes the tiebreaker. Yeah. And I'd like to think we're enough of a meritocracy that that isn't the way it should go. I feel like opening up international tournaments to to everyone is also kind of going to affect the the CP standings for Worlds too. Um, just people who are able to fly out to London, for example, um, are going to be. A lot of Americans specifically who are able to fly out to London are going to have such an advantage in in the CP standings. Um, I mean, when it doesn't really matter for Worlds invites for, but when we're talking about day two invites, uh, closer to Nash or internationals for the United States, I guess. So no, no more regular nationals. Um, yeah, that's possible. We still have to remember that they still have to do well, right? In which they not won't necessarily will, right? And I don't. Yeah. I don't mind people who have more money being able to take, you know, more, you know, more bites at the apple, you know, have more chances because that's fine. People can spend their money however they want. But when those best finish limits are so high, then if they do well, they're going to have such an advantage. And that's the part that bothers me. I don't mind if people can, you know, unlike Matt, I'm okay with internationals being open to everyone, but I think the best finish limit should be one, maybe two. Yeah, and specifically talking about regionals, like you mentioned, it being just four for us. Eight in TCG sounds crazy, but even four for us is kind of high, just because uh, you typically look at. Uh, well, uh, I mean, we've we've moved away from the uh, having regionals in bunches uh, in different seasons, I guess, in series. Right. Um, but typically, there are like three regionals, maybe four, but usually around three that are within range of uh, where you are. Uh, so like for us here in Illinois, there are about three regionals that I would normally consider going to. And so having a four, like a four regional best finish limit just doesn't very much, it doesn't really help me. It just helps the people that are more willing to travel, more spend more money going to Pokemon tournaments. Whereas I don't want to travel as much. I want to just go to my tournaments and because of that, uh, go to the tournaments that are closer to me. And because of that, it's going to hurt my chances uh, at getting like a day two invite or something like that. 
Right. And I think as a parent, well, you know, Sam, my, my older one runs track in the spring and he has other activities that he does. So having children in other activities or having children who are well-rounded, they're kind of at a disadvantage because I don't want to pull them out of those activities in order to fly to more regionals. So it really seems that Pokemon, or, you know, you think about master's players who have jobs, you know, if you work retail, if you work food service, you know, like a lot of college students do, you have to work on the weekends. You can take off a couple of weekends to go to regionals, but eight weekends? Probably not. Yeah, it's it's tough for some people to get the time off and be able to go to so many events. And yeah, I can I can kind of see how that the best finish limit's a little bit unfair to to the less advantaged players i guess um going back to my favorite thing from the news because i didn't get to mention this uh prize money yay you get prize money at regionals i'm i'm so excited for that i wish that was around when i got top eight at madison oh no (laughs) that would have been nice i can throw in a slight criticism to your favorite thing um again speaking as you know it's coming oh i know (laughs) I'm not really. I know Rebecca's opinion on this, and I agree with it, uh, but I'm waiting for her to say it, so go ahead. Oh, see, mm, that makes me want to just force Alex to say it, but I will. So, in so um, the fine print for the prize money says that in video game, you need to have at least 33 players in the age division in order for there to be any money at all. So, sometimes seniors struggles with that. I mean, they tend to do better, but juniors, you almost never see 33 players. So right. we're actually paying more for regionals. Um, if you win regionals, you no longer get a DS. You just get the two booster boxes of cards. Um, so on the junior VGC side, we're actually paying more and our prize support has gone down. Yeah, I could see how that's a little bit of a disadvantage for junior players. I don't know. I I I unfortunately fall into the the narrow masters tunnel vision that I know some players fall into. But well, and there's more of you guys, so yeah. I get it. Uh, there's a part of Rebecca's point that applies to every age division, and it's that with this prize support uh, comes higher entry fees. Uh, and that's actually what I thought you were going to mention because uh, I had heard you talk about it at another time. Is that uh, while prize support is great. Uh, it me- not everyone is going to be earning those prizes, and uh, it's going to come at the cost of higher entry fees, very likely. Like, I believe uh, Arizona, I thought they paid 40 I think they paid a $40 entry fee. 40 seems like a number I've seen popping up in a couple of places. Though juniors and seniors, I think, were like 30 I can, from from like a TOing perspective, or like from a like price support perspective, I guess I can kind of understand where that money's coming from or where that figure is coming from. Cause that sounds about what you would need for like 5,000 or like $10,000 pot bonus for like a tournament, which is basically what uh, TPCI is doing for regionals. So that that's, that's actually kind of typical for I'm, I'm going, going back to my smash bros perspective. That's actually kind of typical of what, uh, uh, $5,000 bonus tournament uh, would charge for entry fees. Gotcha. Though, and it makes me wonder about the spirit of Pokemon and what we want to do. One of the things I've loved about our tournaments is you can show up at a regionals never having played before 
and you know people will welcome you and you might get clobbered but because of swiss rounds you can play all day long right and i do wonder how much of that we'll be able to keep with the higher entry fees i understand the reasons for them and i understand that it looks like we're moving in an esports direction but that is one part of pokemon that was really captivating to me when i was new to this and my children were new so in that sense, do you feel like it's kind of leaving the the juniors and seniors behind in favor for becoming more like esports? Um, I don't know necessarily if it's leaving juniors and seniors behind. I think it's leaving more casual players or players who oh, have okay. a variety of responsibilities behind. I think it's much more single-minded, incredibly focused, this will consume all your time players who will... Um, who will succeed in this kind of uh, structure. Yeah, I think the best approach players can take to this is to balance their time with Pokemon and everything else. You know, you got to find that right balance in your life like you have to do with everything else you do. Yep. So just you got to work on it, do what's right for you or your family, whatever. Right, and if someone else is flying to three international championships, doesn't mean you have to too. Right. <laughs> It's like your mom says, well, if everyone else is doing that, you know, jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? So, and who knows? A lot of players might not. I already bought my tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not actually going to any of the, I don't think I'll be flying out of the country for any of the internationals. I tried to convince my husband that a $6,000 family trip to London at the beginning of December was a great idea. And he wasn't buying it. Well... See, when they have the uh, Latin America International, I'm not opposed to trying to convince my family to take a vacation, coincidentally, on the same weekend as this Pokemon event. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Wish me luck. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Good luck with that. Yeah, I don't think it'll fly too well. Yeah, to be fair, I almost used uh, Seattle Regionals as an excuse to go visit my brother, which is, that's that feels a lot more legitimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go there. Whatever. Went to Madison. That was fun. Well, it is nice we have uh, a schedule for North American regionals. It'd be nice to know when the internationals actually were, you know, the rest of them. You know, we don't know if they're going to be in the middle of the spring, if they're going to all be in the summer. Um, same with midseason showdowns. This is, kind of, this is going with my uh, not-so-great news from the announcement. It's just we didn't get news about when these things are happening. So I would have loved to see that. Just for scheduling purposes. Yes, as a yeah. as a TO who did a midseason showdown last year, scrambling to try to get it booked, and you know the cool decals, getting those coordinated and made with TOs around the world, it definitely benefits to have a little bit more time to to plan because then we can run better events, and then you guys can also plan better your schedules and make decisions about how many events you can go to if you know when the heck they're going to be. Yeah, and I mean, as far as mid-seasons go, I mean, a lot of TOs just have either haven't planned that far ahead or are still looking at venues, so it's it's really hard to pinpoint a specific date um, this far in advance for any kind of event, unless it's going to be, like, something huge or something that's, like, annual or something like that, so kind of it's it, from a from a scheduling perspective it's it's kind of hard to plan more than like four months in advance because you, you never know something else some other tournament might come up on the same weekend that conflicts with yours so but i'd like to start planning i already have a notebook set aside for my mid-season showdown <laughs> i want to start looking at venues yeah just tell me which months that would help 
Well, we're we're glad to hear about that. Yeah. Well, I consider it like our mid-season showdown. You guys were so helpful. I remember Alex handing out those um, business cards for the mid-season showdown. Oh yeah. At, mm-hmm. at, at Winter Regionals, that was that was incredibly helpful. It actually ended up helping out because uh, uh, one of the people that I gave the cards to did come to the event, and then you had a raffle for uh, the two of us because he came to the event and brought the card and showed you. And I remember I, I won something. I believe I won like some badges, like a badge case. Yes, there. yes, the super cool badge case. Yep. I'm looking at it right now. I can see it on my shelf. It's a very cool sh- uh, badge case. It's very fancy. Well, I'm glad you appreciate it. Yeah, maybe get a picture of that later. <laughs> yeah, the viewers can just uh, just picture it in their heads. It looks like a little badge case. It's black. It's rectangular. Rectangular prism. Uh, it's got a Pokemon logo on it, so there you go, guys. There's my badge case. Just picture it in your heads. <laughs> Damn, that's pretty neat. Okay, so that is a great um, way to end up end our episode today. You know, we kind of went over the time we wanted to an hour. You know, about our shows what we want end up wanting to run. But thank you to Matt and Rebecca for being on, sharing their experiences as a TO. We really appreciate the. Other perspective that we we as players don't necessarily get um, very often, if at all. Oh, it was my pleasure, and you know, hanging out with Matt and hanging out with you guys is always a joy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> and always, as always, thank you for Alex for being here. Oh, it's very much fun, and I'm not going to go anywhere, Stephen. I hope you don't. Well, let's uh, close this up, uh, Alex. If people wanted to find you on Twitter, they could do that at Lexicon VGC. And Matt, you're on Twitter at uh, SwannerBGC. And Rebecca, um, I don't believe you have a Twitter, but if people wanted to reach you, how would you recommend people do that? Um, yeah, I definitely don't have Twitter. I'm just really overwhelmed by technology, which is funny because my husband works in IT. <laughs> um, probably the best way. I know, isn't that ironic? It's like the yeah. shoemakers' children don't wear shoes. Um, probably the best way is you know on Facebook, uh, Ace Trainers League is my Facebook page for everything I do Pokemon wise, whether it's my league or tournaments or ace trainers league um, at Gmail is another way to, to reach me. You can lastly follow me at super Morioka. That's it for our show. Thank you for listening to the hyper voice. Um, everyone say goodbye and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye guys. See you around.